Well, hello, and welcome into the first podcast here on the MTG Headquarters SoundCloud page. I'm glad you're here. Today we're going to do a bit of a story time about what it was like playing Magic in 1993-1994 when it was brand new. So I got into Magic through uh, my cousin, actually. I'm pretty sure. He played the game. He taught me. I was immediately hooked. It was the art. It was the gameplay, the strategy, the deck building. Everything about Magic was alluring to me. And free time was at a premium back then. You know, when I was a kid, you had three straight months off in the summer and you didn't have to really work jobs. Uh, I was kind of too young. I think I got my first job when I was 14 at Cafe Istanbul, actually, dishwasher. Shout out to Figurette and Ishref. My boss is there running that spit, slinging them euros. But I always find it interesting that these days when product availability is in question, when um, things like limited print run products are out there, Modern Masters, for example, the original Modern Masters, Eternal Masters uh, originally from the vault, I find myself getting really frustrated that it is that it is a limited print run, right? And then I remember what it was like in 1994 buying Magic. Dilidi, 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 dilidi. All right, we're back in 1993, 1994. I have the same computer for some reason, all the same audio setup, and my voice is still post-puberty. When I fell in love with magic, it wasn't about, nowadays it's about, you know, you could get magic cards at Walgreens for crying out loud. Within 10 minutes of my house, there's no less than 10 24-hour stores where I can buy magic cards. But back then, it wasn't it wasn't like that. You had, in a city of, back then it was like 40,000 or so. Back then, in a city of 40,000, we weren't exactly small. We didn't have a Walmart yet, but we had a mall. We had a card shop. Um, sports cards and things. Shout out to Doug, who ran that place. I remember his name because he was also my school bus driver. When you went to go get magic cards... It wasn't which set do you want or which product did you want. It was, do they even have it? I spent more time checking for Magic Boosters than I ever did buying them. I think my allowance back then was maybe $5 a week. So this was revised. You could still get unlimited, I believe. Revised, unlimited, Fallen Empires, 5th edition. All these were kind of out there and available. So you would go to your local card shop. Let's say I would ride my bike into town on a Saturday morning, okay, me and my cousin. I remember he had a dyno, which was, you know, nowadays I think those bikes are kind of more mass-produced, but it was a big deal to have a big trick bike back then. And I had some piece of shit, some mountain bike, I think, or maybe some hand-me-down, like, BMX bike. doesn't really matter. But we used to ride our bikes into the city, because we lived in the country, and it was probably 
maybe a 45 minute bike ride, maybe an hour, but it didn't matter because we would go to the game shop and we would sit there all day. So we both have our backpacks and maybe $10 in our pockets. And I saved like $4 of that. So I could also get a a foot long meatball sub from Subway with some cool ranch chips and a Mountain Dew. You can see my healthy eating habits started even in my teens. But there were really only like two places in the whole city where you could get magic cards. It was sports cards and things, which was the card shop. And then it was this bookstore that would randomly have them, if I'm remembering correctly, called Little Professor Books. They would randomly have boxes of starter decks. And I remember going in there and... They were actually both in the mall at that time. Later, that bookstore actually moved off to um, its own building. And then, of course, nowadays, bookstores are dead. So especially locally run ones, so they're long gone. But the feeling of... So nowadays, there's that feeling of kind of cracking boosters and how awesome that feels, right? Like, oh, man, the lottery is real. Everything's exciting. Let me get a masterpiece. But back then, it was almost like we would tie our bikes up to the bike rack. I didn't even think I had a lock. I didn't care. Run into the mall. And we'd be like, Doug, do you have have magic? Do you have magic? Do you have magic in? And if they didn't, we'd run a little professor and be like, oh, do you have magic in? Do you have magic cards? Do you have magic cards? It was so crazy. And you bought what they had. Like now... You can go to a card shop and buy whatever the hell is in standard. You can buy old packs for the most part. You can buy, you can slice it, dice it, you can intra packs, fat packs, booster boxes, booster packs, blister packs, whatever the heck you want. It's available <laughs> for the most part anywhere. But back then, it was like you went in. I remember distinctly there were a lot of times where you would go in, right, and you would say, Do you have magic? Yeah, I have Ice Age. Okay, I have eight, I have eight dollars. How many boosters can I get? Uh, you can get three. Okay, give me give me three boosters. You didn't care. It was like when I was that young specifically. Okay, you didn't really care about. You just wanted the cards. You you wanted as many cards as you could get, and the only thing that sucked is getting duplicates. Like back then, it was like I didn't even care about play sets. So you would go into a, a local card shop and you'd just be so excited and wanting any kind of magic. And you would buy it. And I actually remember for a long time, card shops like only had Fallen Empires or Ice Age in. And I think that was right around the time also when 5th edition came out. And the game almost lost me because I didn't understand reprints at that time. And so there, here the card shop was saying, or was it fourth edition? I think it was fourth edition, where they're like, this is a brand new set. And I would be like, okay, awesome. But it's the exact same cards I opened in the last set, except no dual lands, none of the good cards. And that always hurt. That always felt bad. But you didn't really care back then. And I remember the feeling, I think there was a time where 
um, I happened to be shopping with my mom, as all teenagers do when they're young. And we were in a shop co. And there was magic cards there. And I was like blown away. And I begged my parents, begged my parents to buy magic cards, right? I was like, oh my God, they have revised. I'm so sick of buying Fallen Empires. You don't understand, mom. You don't understand, dad. You can't get these cards anywhere. And sometimes they would buy them for me. Sometimes they wouldn't, you know. I, I never even opened an entire booster box, I don't think, until I was probably 30. When I was young, I didn't have the money to buy booster packs or booster boxes. That was insane. But here's another interesting thing about being young or playing Magic in the early years. It wouldn't be uncommon for you to go into a local game store, for example, with $20, which to me, that was a lot of money back then. And I would say, give me five packs of Revise. Give me five packs. I'm a baller. I brought my own little Debbie snack cakes from home. I'm going balls deep. I'm getting five packs. And Doug would say, sorry, I'm going to limit it to one. Because the game was so hard to find, it wasn't about selling the product. It was about keeping your customers happy, right? Running in there and having the card shop say they didn't have any in stock felt terrible, terrible. And I look back, and now I don't know. Doug was not a Magic card player, I don't think. In fact, I remember... The trading cards were on the complete other side of the store. And this store, by modern-day standards, was huge. There's no surprise that it didn't last because when the sports cards market fell through, he lost everything. And I actually collected football cards, basketball cards. My parents actually preferred to buy that kind of stuff for me. They didn't buy. Uh, they never bought. They, they didn't like buying magic cards as much because they didn't understand them. They understood what a Mickey Mantle baseball card was because my dad had baseball cards. You know, he always used to tell me the story. You know, I remember when I used to put Mickey Mantles in my bice my bicycle spokes to make that sound. Now they're worth thousands of dollars. Well, now they're also worth zero dollars. So, I mean, well, I mean, they're not worth zero, but you get what I mean. The sports card market is dead. But back then, there were all sorts of TCGs to play. I think if I rem I'm remembering properly, there was certainly Magic. There was a game called Jihad, I believe. There was definitely a game called Rage, which I think, if you want to check out like a TCG that I think was ahead of its time, it was definitely Rage. The art on those cards was mind-blowing. And they also had flip cards. And the hilarious thing was everyone thought Magic was so ahead of its time or so innovative when they brought in Flip Planeswalkers and Origins. And I was like, man, I had those in Rage 15 years ago. I had flip cards before they were cool. I'm trying to think of some other games. I think we played, um, we also played some strategy games like Vampire the Masquerade, D&D. &D. I never really got into those. It would be like... I was a year younger than my cousin, so when I would go over to his house, I would just play whatever everyone else was playing. 
like if there was five people there, five or six people there, and they were doing like masquerade, you know, or vampire uh, campaign or D and D, it would be like, all right, let's roll you up a character so we can all play. And I look back now, and I'm really thankful for that inclusion. I don't know if they were like, oh, it's 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 uh, Bubba's cousin. We gotta let him play. Ugh, grown. Maybe that was the case, but. I'm really thankful they did. And the, and the funny thing was, we never really ever got too far past rolling the characters. I think that was the most fun for us, is just rolling our characters, inventing this imaginary person that was that was like us or, or what, how we imagine ourselves or whatever. And so anyway, the card shop would have lots of card games. So sometimes I, w- I would show up at the card shop and I just wanted whatever, right? Like... Oh, you don't have magic cards? What else you got? Rage cards? Okay, let me let me let me um let me open that. You have Pokemon cards? Okay, um let's let's I don't know, I'll just buy some Pokemon cards, some random Pokemon cards. Because you just that new card smell. Opening these cards and reading them and kind of just putting yourself in, in this mythical world was what I cared about in terms of Magic the Gathering or any trading card game. So it's it's easy to kind of get caught up in today's you know instant consumerism, instant gratification in the world in the app store world or even in a world now where booster packs are printed to oblivion and back because it wasn't I mean, that's just the way it is. Everything is around us, right? I mean, we live in the world of 24-hour Walmart and free, you know, two-day prime shipping. In my case, you know, I get free same-day shipping sometime from Amazon because I'm so closer to the distribution center. And that sort of thing is kind of killing local business, which sucks. But it's easy to forget your roots. And a lot of my fans, like on my YouTube channel, and I actually hope that this podcast kind of grows its own legs a little bit because it's it's going to be a story time podcast. It's going to be a podcast where I have guests on. It's going to be a podcast that eventually has music and also sounds a little bit better. But a lot of my fans are YouTube are young. They've, they've come to the game. They've come to the game in the last year or two. They have no idea what it was like to go to the store and say, can I get a pack of current set and then having the person say we don't have any and you'd say well do you know when you're going to have some nope don't know can't can't even venture a guess sorry kid tough cookies and then getting on your bike (laughs) and taking that shame ride all the way home because i remember i didn't even want singles like there were they had singles in their case which were priced, by the way, from Scry Magazine or Inquest back then. I believe those were both out. And I didn't even want singles. I wanted booster packs. You know, I like to brew with the cards that I had. If I had 20 copies of a card, I would be like, okay, well, I'm going to build three decks around Hypnotic Spectre. Um, this is also a time, though, in Magic, at least for me, being young... It's funny because there were players that were around since Alpha that were probably like, who is this kid who all he cares about? You know, he'd rather have a Shivan Dragon than a tropical island or volcanic sea. 
or underground sea. But I remember the field ads opening up dual lands and I would be like thinking to myself, oh man, <sighs> plateau. Well, at least I can trade this for another booster pack. Cause I think they were like, I think if a, if a card in revised at the time when revised was a set, if a card was $20, that was a lot of money. And I think that card was Shiv and Dragon for a long time. Whereas everyone that I knew called it Siobhan Dragon. And at that time too, like the early days, you know, there was no TCG player. There was no Star City Games. There was no um, Amazon. So there, it was really rare to have four of anything. So the way Magic Trades went down was totally different. I mean, you didn't even really care about what the price of a particular card was. You just kind of, you were like, man, I really want a Force of Nature for this deck. That thing is cool an 8-8 trampler man i want to force a nature and somebody that knew better than you right they'd be like oh uh you know i got this force of nature i'll take those crappy uh underground seas off your hands that you're not even using because who in the right man mind would ever want a two-color deck that's insanity right like a two-color deck why would you want that don't you want to play mono black? Don't you want to play all your favorite black cards? I mean, don't you want to play Drain Life and Unholy Strength and Singer Vampire and Uncle Estefan, Uncle Stiffy? I mean, don't you want to play that stuff? <laughs> and maybe that's why I've never really been someone to shark other people because now I look back and I'm like, I have no idea how many dual lands I probably traded away for jank. But you built the decks that you wanted to play, right? You didn't care how you got, I mean, if you wanted a Siobhan Dragon or a Fireball, here's what you knew, at least in the circle where I played. You know if it was common or if it was rare, or if you knew if, if it was valuable. You didn't trade like a $10 card for a $10 card in our circles. And maybe that's just part of being kind of a filthy casual, but it was just a different time back then, at least, at least it was for me. I mean, when when you played, the big thing was theme decks, right? Like, I don't know how many of you have been around, but maybe this is more of a casual thing, but it was like you'd have a burn deck, you'd have a wall deck, you'd have a death touch deck, you'd have a priest deck, you'd have a human's deck, and you'd carry these like seven decks around. And then you'd be like, yo, you want you want to play some magic? Okay, cool. All right, I'm going to play my priest deck. Or I'm going to play my artifact deck. And it wasn't really about like meta or synergies. It was like, I'm going to put, I have all these cards. And I want to make as many decks out of these cards as humanly possible. I'm not going to any tournaments, right? Like, I just want to have a bunch of decks to play. I think back then one of my favorite was my Goblins deck. I played like Goblin Balloon Brigade, Goblin Gr Grenade, Goblin King. But again, even back then, like having four ofs of a card like Goblin King just didn't happen. So like a common Goblin deck for me would have like one Goblin King in it or maybe two. And the whole game would be like, oh man, just wait till I get my Goblin King out. And now it's just like you see like, 
everyone has four ofs and there's so many ways to draw cards and so many tutors. And I watched like constructed play nowadays and was like, oh man, they have no idea what it's like. They only have one of that rare in their deck. And just hoping you see that, you know, sharing lands or sharing cards so that each other can complete decks. Um, it just feels like that gets glossed over in the, in the highly competitive world. But that's also why I think when Magic says we have 20 million players now, now I don't believe that number, to be honest, between just us friends here. I don't believe that there's 20 million Magic players. I think it's probably closer to eight. But regardless of that, you know, what 1% of them are probably competitive Magic players. 2% maybe. The other 99% of those players are still chilling at their kitchen table carrying their decks in plastic bags. Maybe they have a deck box. Or they're EDH players. A lot of the players that I played with when I was young, they still play to this day, but they only play EDH because they can't keep up with 25 sets a year. I mean, back then, you didn't even know when a new set of Magic came out. But being kind of like a filthy casual kitchen table player, you just didn't care. Like you just, you'd show up at the card store, a new set would be out and you'd be like, oh, what's this set all about? And on a limited budget, it was like, okay, I have 25 bucks a month to spend on Magic. And do I want to buy five packs or do I want to buy three packs and a Scry magazine or an Inquest magazine? And to me, it was always like, duh. I'll, I'll go to the magazine aisle when my mom's grocery shopping at Century or Pick and Save and read it. Read the whole thing cover to cover while she's grocery shopping. And it was a great deal. It was like a, it was like an unspoken contract between my mom and I. She had to take him to grocery shopping because I was too young to leave home alone or too irresponsible. But as long as we went to the store, the Headscry magazine, she didn't have to worry about me. I'd be standing in front of that magazine rack the entire time. And heaven forbid if they had both. I mean, wow. I'd be there. She'd be ready to leave and I'd still be reading it. And I'd always kind of look at those grocery stores and see if they ever had magic cards. Because they all back then, they all had baseball cards. Everyone had baseball cards. Gas stations. One of my favorite things to do when I was young, like probably eight or nine years old, is go to a, a place called, everyone called it DFX, Deli Food Express. It was like this kind of like a modern-day quick trip. And they had tons of baseball cards. My dad would stop there for gas, and I'd be like, yeah, can I get baseball cards? I mean, they were everywhere, but Magic Cards just wasn't, it wasn't like that. And so if you loved Magic Cards, then you were willing to drive for them, look for them. And I spent so much time sorting my cards, right? It's, it's just so, Magic back in the day is just so different to me. I mean, the idea, like as I'm recording this podcast, I'm, st I'm staring at, you know, 5,000 count boxes of commons and uncommons. And I'm like, kind of feel a little ashamed of like, what would little Johnny, Johnny Jeremy do with all those cards? He'd probably freak out and build 500 different decks. You know, this is my flying deck. This is my uh, evasion or this is my um, improvised deck, or this is my art of enchantment deck. This is my, I mean, hundreds of possibilities inside those white lifeless 
uh, 5,000 count storage boxes that Johnny Jeremy or little, little, you know, starter Jeremy would have freaked out to have. And so, you know, I thought for my first podcast, it would be pretty interesting to, um, kind of reminisce a little bit about what it, what it was like when I started playing magic and how it's changed nowadays. I mean, I played at a time where my church sent letters home about magic, the gathering about unholy strength, uh, because there was a pentagram on it. And my parents freaked out about that. They're like, are you summoning demons with those, with those, with those magical cards? I mean, they never got to the point of taking them away from me, but I mean, just look at how far we've come as, as a, as a player base, as a game, even nerd culture is not what it used to be. I mean, back then, you know, we would play magic in the hallways. I think I started, I must've been in middle school when I started and like between classes, we try to squeak a game in and play on the ground, you know, unsleeved or uh, lunch. Lunch was the big, you sat at the table with all the kids that played magic and everyone would play their games. Now the school was always wary of this. So that, that was kind of funny. So like the school never really knew what this card game was, but they did know when a kid got his card stolen, it was kind of a big deal or if somebody's mom called the school because their kid got sharked in a trade or something like that, I remember many times the school would always kind of be like, you guys are on thin ice here playing that, playing that card game. And they didn't like to see a bunch of binders out on the table. They didn't like to see boxes of cards. I remember there was a time where they said no binders at school. You can bring your decks, but no binders. And I guess that's not a bad idea. I mean, magic has come such a long way. Um, maybe on another another podcast, I'll share the kind of the full story about the several times I've had cards stolen from me, um, and what I think motivates people to do that. I mean, I think it's obviously financially driven, but um, what that can do psychologically to a magic player is is really dangerous. I mean. That's why I'm so vehemently against theft and magic. I don't think it's cool. I don't think it's acceptable. And sometimes kids will post, they got to be kids. And they're like, ah, I steal magic cards from Walmart because it's Walmart, you know, and screw Walmart. I'm like, no, because when you steal cards from Walmart, then Walmart doesn't carry magic cards. And now, you know, tens of thousands of, of magic players who honestly, to, to this day, Walmart is their only source of magic cards would could be potentially negatively affected by that. But I won't go down that road. Maybe that's a good teaser into um, the next podcast. I don't know how often I'm going to do these or how often people will listen or even like them. But, um, you know, I believe there's a comment section on here on SoundCloud. I'll find other places where I can upload this and, um, you know, happy to share it. Happy to bring guests on as well, but I also, if any of you know me, I always have a lot to say, and I don't like to kind of dump it all onto the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash MTG headquarters. I, I have done the daily video thing. I've done the daily upload thing, the you know five, six, seven videos a week, and people get burnt out on hearing me, 
and I get burnt out on editing. And maybe these podcasts will be a good way to kind of ease, you know, kind of release the the knowledge or well, most of what I have is not knowledge, but release what I want to say, what's going on in magic at that current time. I see a lot of podcasts out there uh, in magic and I'm really not very interested by any of them. Um, and so I don't know if I'm going to have the correct perspective to make an interesting magic podcast, because I think you have to talk a little bit about current events. And I think I'll, I'll try to do that. But then again, I also keep kind of current events on my YouTube channel because that's what pays the bills. Um, so I don't know, this is an experiment. If you made it all the way to the end, you are a absolute trooper. And I hope that uh, you'll leave some feedback in whatever various comment sections this podcast is posted to, because I think uh, I would enjoy doing this, at least on a weekly basis. Um, you know, it would be awesome to kind of get to the point where, you know, I have hundreds of episodes of backlog, uh, of this podcast where people can come in, you know, on episode 50 and just go wild. And I hope to, I hope to make some of them fun as well, of course. And I don't know if I ever want to add a video component to it. I suppose I could video myself just talking at the camera, but holy crap, would that be boring? So I don't know. Um, we're going to end this, uh, MTG story time here. I'm going to try to keep all these episodes under at or under 30 minutes. So I hope you enjoyed hanging out with me and uh, I look forward to talking to you again real soon.